0: Hello, this is Lori Koppelman. Thank you for joining us for the fifth episode of the Clutter Chronicles podcast, One Woman's Journey Through Stuff. In our last conversation, Mary was at a low point in her life, in her battle between normalcy and her reality. Today, we talk about when Mary was ready to admit that she was a hoarder, not only to herself, but to others, and begin the healing process. She learned that there was more for her and that she needed to let people help her. This is also the first time that opposite Mary shows up. It's Lori. I'm back with Mary. And we're talking about her being a recovering hoarder. Maybe you've been listening to some of our conversations. Maybe you're new. We've been going through the past on how she came to this spot Today, where she describes herself as having an unusual relationship with stuff, did I get that right, Mary? Mm-hmm. And our last conversation, we got to the point where you really went through a hard time with your mother's death, and you moving stuff into your boyfriend's garage to the point uh, of completely filling it, and and that was a few years ago, and. I would like to hear today about your healing process. So that sounds like you had really gotten to a point of knowing you needed to do something and you wanted to do something. And that's huge. That point is huge. And for anyone who's struggling with this, just making that decision is huge. And I don't care what it is we're dealing with in our own lives, weight loss, uh, getting more organized. Every single thing, people have to make a decision, and then, then things happen. And it sounds like you decided something. What would you say your healing process has been like for you? Where have you found help? Um, get us up to date a little bit from those days and dark days in two thousand and eight.
1: Okay. Well. A, a lot of my healing process came from others. Um, my brother, he, he had been suffering from some things and he had turned me on to the idea of my diet could be causing my problems. And so I started checking out what kind of foods might be causing some issues like making me tired or interfering with my my... Ability to make decisions and concentrate. And I started recognizing certain kind of foods would um, energize me or, or whatever. And then I had some friends that were worried about me and encouraging me to exercise. So I, I think a, a big thing is to, uh, I guess, get outside of my world of thinking what I need and listen to what people are suggesting for me. Like, there are people that are really worried about me. And, you know, my husband, he's never suffered from any kind of mental illness. And just his mere looking at me and wondering what to do for me was enough to make me want to change, because I felt so bad that that he he, he had to suffer that with me and didn't know what to do. So, um, I would say in about uh, 2013 um, was when things started to change for me. I remember uh, going to a bookstore with the intention of getting a journal with the idea of writing to God and saying, um, I- I'm ready to, to get over this. I'm ready to change I've been crying wolf my whole life, and this time I really mean it. And I think that once, once you get to the point where you're feeling so awful and so lost and you have nothing else to lose, you might as well just take that step. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the opening, I think, towards a real change. Um, you know, I, I just said that I was listening to what people were suggesting. One of the things about my hoarding was that I wasn't listening to anybody. I wanted to be in control. And this is about my life and what do they know. But we're really not supposed to live on this earth alone. We're supposed to be together and and in community. And that's where your family and friends pick you up where you're not functioning quite right. And just the look that people would give me of sheer concern was enough to wake me up. Mm. And it's it's like there's a part of me that knew I was better than this and that there's more for me and that I shouldn't be throwing in the towel. Um but that's just a glimpse of hope that um that I walked with, I guess. It it's it's, it's difficult to describe other than um, believing that what I'm seeing might not be reality
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and trusting that there's more out there.
0: So you had you had your husband's garage filled or then boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, when did it all come into the house? Mm.
1: Well, okay, so the rule was that I, I was... Deli- I, I loaded it to the garage in 2008, July of 2008. And it was supposed to be out by September, you know, of that same year. Um, In all honesty, I don't think it's ever completely left. (laughs) Because we got married in 2011, and then the rest of the stuff came. I did chisel a lot. I got rid of as much as I could with my abilities. And I think what I ended up doing was taking the stuff out of his garage and put it in my garage while we were still dating. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of this moving stuff and running around with it. Um, But, of course, then we get married and it all ended up back in the garage. So um, I recognized that I, I had this problem and it was hard on our marriage and it was very hard on him. And I would try to do things that would um, make sense. What would a person with this problem do? And I came across a friend who uh, did estate sales. And I thought, how perfect. I could have an estate sale and it would be my friend, or friend who runs it. And it's, maybe that's the key. Maybe that's all I'm supposed to have done. But it didn't work out because um, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to part with the stuff. In fact, it was a disaster. It was a complete disaster. Oh. The stuff they wanted was stuff I wasn't ready to part with, and the stuff I was ready to part with they had no interest in. And They did take a lot, and I sold a lot, but it was, like, uh, excruciating. Mm. And um, ironically, there was something that I kept in my garage Every garage sale I had, I always had this tucked away because I wanted to give it to my dad. It was a um, gas-propelled toy plane, like from the 50s
0: Mm -hmm. or earlier.
1: And I never really knew what to do with it. And, you know, in my chaos of my life, I never got it to him. And I always would hide it in these sales. Well, somehow it got into the estate sale and sold. Oh, (laughs) And I had, taught, I had taken my dad to the preview of the estate sale, and he went through the entire sale to see all the stuff that was mine, and the only thing he was interested in was that airplane. Oh, man. <laughs> and we kind of laughed about it, <laughs> <laughs> the irony. And I kept thinking there's got to be some reason why this happened the way it did. Like, I'm supposed to be shown that my way is not... Gonna work. That I have to change um I can't expect to make money off of stuff. I have to become more generous. I have to start giving it away and I have to start letting people help me. Mm. So that seems like a turning point. Yeah. It it was. It was horrible right. at the time. Yeah. And I thought it was gonna be a setback and what I was really afraid of is it was gonna make me not go anywhere. But there's a part of me that was so angry that I was in this situation. Mm. It's just so ridiculous. And what's funny is this is my friend who helped me, and now I'm embarrassed. Because here I said, hey, I'm ready. I've been having this problem, and I, I'm ready for you to come in and take my stuff. And then I, I wouldn't let her do it. And in spite of that, I got rid of a lot of stuff and made money. Mm-hmm. So that's how much stuff I've had, is mm-hmm. that I could um, consider it a loss and still, <laughs> still make money. And still, get rid of a, several trailers of stuff. Um, but that was in that was our first after our first year of marriage. So 2012 was my first step. And um, I kept putting it out there that I need help, but then I wouldn't really let anyone come in to the house. And I would read about hoarding or read about things. Um, is this when you started calling yourself a hoarder? Mm, Probably, It could have been, like secretively, like to certain, certain safe people, I could say it.
0: Okay. I mean, I'd
1: have heart-to-heart conversations with my friends. They'd say, Mary, you could lose your husband. What is more important? Of course I understand that. And they're saying, well, by you keep- by you keeping that stuff, you're saying that you love your stuff more than you love him. And I'd be like, I, I get what your point is, but I'm in this hell. I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know how to make those choices to let those go. Obviously, he's number one. Obviously, when mom was dying, I, I had no time for any of my stuff. So I could put things in perspective, but it's in the actual doing that's mm-hmm. when how do, make, how do you make the progress? So, in this progress, in this process, I should say, um, I wouldn't let anyone come in. I was afraid to have people come in. When I did have them come in, it was botched. We're back to square one. And for years, what I was doing that was helpful was I would write notes. And I'd say, today... This is my goal. This is what I'm going to do. And I didn't know who I was writing the notes to, but it was just something to solidify what I was doing. And it was almost like if I could have me stand next to me and help me, I would. If I could find another. Clone me, you know. And so the notes were kind of like... Your better self. My better self. Right. Logical self. Mm Mm-hmm. Come to find out years later that when you find when you find yourself in an emotional state, if you write, your other side of the brain kicks in and makes you think more logically. So somehow this was actually a, a good thing to do. I mm-hmm. came upon it by mistake, but or I should say by chance. So it started out back when um, mom was sick. I would just say today I'm going to I'm going to do the dishes. And I'm going to do a load of laundry. And if that was all I got done for the day, then I got two more things done the day before. And I would just keep track of things that needed to get done. But in my list, it was I would write it as I was doing it. So it was not a to-do list; it mm. was a done list. Okay. And um, what that did is it gave me a track record that I was making progress. Well, I've continued that somewhat to this day. I still keep track. I take notes. I, I know that where I was in, a week ago in my life. And part of that is because you get lost in it. And it's easy to think, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to ever have this freedom that I'm craving. So, um, I guess that that's where I am today. Is um, I'm more likely to talk about it, which sheds a light on it, which gives me the energy to go in and toss that piece of paper out. So mm-hmm. I would say I'm on the other side of it. Like if there's a middle, I've crossed the middle, mm-hmm. and. I'm to the point where I'm more like um, batting the stuff away from the house to try to keep it from coming in versus the original where I was just hauling it in.
0: Right. So you've stopped acquiring? Yep. How much percent would you say? I mean, we all have to bring things into our home. I
1: know. It's really a sad statement because I would say... By the amount of stuff I've let go of, it would have to be 75% of it. And how could 25% still be, you know, clogging up the house? But the problem is we're living in ground zero. And I I call the house ground zero. And we have to somehow live in this mess. We don't have to. We could move. We could leave it all there. That's what my husband liked like to do. But, he would. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. And I on some days would like to too, just lock the doors and walk away. I'm getting closer to being able to do that. There was a time where if someone said that to me, it was like they said the worst insulting thing to me. But now I get it. And it's funny because in the past, Kelly would say some remarks to me that would just flip me out. And now I see the humor in it, so I'll come home and I'll say, this house is a disaster. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> and somehow it lightens it up, and we're able to deal with it a little bit. And he's able to see the, the change in me. The problem is in order to go through the stuff that comes to the house. So, if I'm working on something in the garage, I, I do work in the garage when I can, but sometimes it has to be papers or something I have to sort and have to sit on the couch or something to do it. Mm-hmm. So, everything is funneled through this poor little house. But um, there's been some huge steps in the last, I'd say, six months, and the momentum's changing.
0: That's huge. It is. So what would be your goal for yourself? What do you wish
1: for your house? Well, I mean, ultimate or like in the next two weeks, or let's talk ultimate. Ultimate, knowing that that's
0: in some distant time, and we don't know when that time right. is.
1: I, it's, it's ironic because I talked about how I would find containers or cups or something and use them for things that they're not intended. Mm-hmm. My whole house is that. I would like to have a house where you go in the kitchen and anything that's in the kitchen is what belongs in the kitchen and anything that's in the bathroom is what belongs in the bathroom and everything fits in the, in the cupboards or wherever they're supposed to be. Anything that's not necessary has been eliminated. I have, like, this dream of being able to have a pile, a constant pile of stuff that's going, like a goodwill pile. Right. And that within the end of the month or end of the week, if it's too much, I can haul it over there and it's free. And it's not... My whole house is a goodwill pile. I'm sorting through the goodwill pile. Mm -hmm. I would like it to be where there's a definite difference between what's using, what I'm using... And what's going? Oh, wow! Well. It would be nice to live like that. hmm What do you? What are your hopes for that
0: time for yourself? Mm-hmm. Do you see that as possible, or does that sound like you're just talking about something crazy, <laughs> unrealistic?
1: Right. Um, I would say the the distance between. Crazy and realistic Has shortened in my mind There was a time where I would say that And have like parallel thoughts Right Yes, of course Who in their right mind You know, wouldn't want a house That functions like a house
0: And I'm not asking if you want that I'm asking, do you Do you see see that
1: as possible I I do I have like It's kind of like Um I often think of myself as a movie. Like there's glimpses of hints for the viewer of what's to come. And I'll get glimpses and I'll think, oh, that's supposed to tell me what I should be doing. When in actuality, it's just the seed of what's coming. It's, it's not even... I don't need to act on it that quickly. So I'm aware of, of the tiny little shifts in my universe that's changing where suddenly things that used to bog me down don't so i would say the light at the end of the tunnel is there mm-hmm. and it's getting brighter and it's actually i'm giving my myself permission to believe it can happen mm. which in the past it would be that's not for me it's impossible
0: when did you feel that permission
1: happen do you remember I think it's this year. Um, I remember, of course, I always have to backtrack, but last year I remember taking my dog for a walk and saying, you know, I talked to God and I said, why is this taking so long? Why, why with all this breakthrough, all this transformation I've had, Am I still in the same situation? I still have too much stuff. All the stuff I've given And what came back to me is... When you're healing, you're an onion. And it takes time to peel those layers. And I'm not just healing in one area. I'm healing everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so it might seem like if I was healed certain things would be really obvious. But what's happening is the problems I'm having are kind of getting diluted or Mm -hmm. something. And this year, when we talked about object permanence and my difficulty with that as a childhood, in, in my child, something deep was touched in that conversation with my therapist and released. I don't know exactly what happened, but it was like a healing. It was like, I'm okay. And it's, it's like I'll look at something and it's just a little different. It doesn't have that grab on me. So I've been doing this thing, I call it Opposite Mary. <laughs> <laughs> and so what would Mary normally do? Mary would take that and set that aside and think about it opposite mary is you put it in the trash you don't need it and this could be i mean obviously it's not something you know worth a million dollars nothing i have is worth a million dollars but there's this grab i have for things and i'll say you know that could easily be thrown out and it's not going to hurt you mary so i try to do things i normally would not do and lately my even a step off of that is, let's put it in the trash and see how it feels.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and what's fabulous about it is, when I was in the thick of this, I knew every item I ever owned, where I got it and what I paid for it. Wow. And now, I'm forgetting. And it's like, that's not primary in my mind anymore. I'm not keeping those balls juggling in the air. I don't need to put the energy in mm. that anymore. Mm. And so what's, what's really interesting is, is, is with that, these triggers, they, it's like they don't have the pull on me anymore. So just a simple thing that would have been simple for anyone else is starting to become a natural for me.
0: So you put something in the garbage can to Mm -hmm. test out whether you're ready to get rid of it.
1: Mm -hmm. And I don't have the triggers. It it doesn't call me. It doesn't say, oh, but you could do this with that Mm -hmm. or you could use this for that. Um, A biggest leap of faith I ever had was um, I helped some friends move and they needed some boxes and I gave them all my boxes. And in order to do that, I had to take my boxes and combine them. So maybe you know, two or three boxes were um, half full and I could combine them. In the past, I had to keep them organized. I had to keep them separated by what they were. And the fact that I'm not weirded out by that shows the healing that's inside because I, I don't need to divide, you know, I don't know, socks from pencils, I don't know, something like that. It was a natural category, but it was taking up space. And the opposite Mary is to let go of boxes while she still has stuff. Because I'm going to need boxes to get rid of stuff, and so I would think logically I need these. But it's a leap of faith of saying someone else needs these now, and um, when I need boxes, I'll get them.
0: Yes, sounds like there's more
1: trust, for right. sure. Right, and it's almost like a war I've been living. Like this is how you survive a war and these are the tools you need and these are the things you keep in order to stay afloat and what's really radical is to not just go after the stuff you're fighting but go after your tools <laughs> and just my natural tendency was to keep boxes and to to go after them as saying I'm better than this
0: Right.
1: they're not in control
0: Those were the sacred cows. Right,
1: right. Yep.
0: Well, it's good to hear all the progress that you've made. Lots and lots and lots of progress. From down to 75 to 25. Yeah. And I don't know what your house looks like. Right. But that that number's very impressive.
1: It is, although I would never let you in my house. (laughs) (laughs) So your goal is to get to zero? Yeah. My goal is to to get to normalcy. Normalcy,
0: right. We all have stuff. Yeah. yeah. But zero would be normal stuff, not yep. no stuff, right? Right. I
1: I would say if you if I was backing up from hoarding to pack rat, I'm beyond pack rat still. But I'm almost to the pack rat stage.
0: Oh, I love this. There's a continuum. Yeah. <laughs> There's normal.
1: Right. Is there something between
0: normal and pack rat, or is
1: that the... Um, I would say between normal and pack rat is just stasher. Okay. You know, squirrel. You can squirrel stuff away. Mm -hmm. That's the pre-pack rat.
0: Okay. Yeah. And pack rat is beyond. Right. And is it pack rat to hoarder after that? I'd say, yeah, Uh because it
1: exponentially changes. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with... um, We're not meant to have this much stuff. I used to think that the difference between me and my husband were that I liked stuff and he didn't. And I thought there's a whole world of people who either like stuff or don't. And there's a continuum in that. But what's come to me is that there's there's people who have a tolerance for stuff and so therefore can accumulate more. And there's people who don't, period, and they recognize what they need. And all of this really is about what do you need to, sur- to, to live, not just to survive. Right. Um, but what's, a, what's amazing is we really don't need much. And so his idea of being a min- minimal- minimal- minimalist, it's not the opposite of a hoarder. It's what we should all be. It's just that, you know, he doesn't have the attachment to stuff.
0: Oh, how curious that you two are together. I know.
1: <laughs> Opposites attract? Yes. Well, I've often thought that he probably needs to work on patience, so God put him with <laughs> with me. <laughs>
0: Yes, we all have stuff we need to learn from those around us, right? Right. Yeah, I'm not calling him perfect and you flawed. Um, (laughs) Just you've had different um, views on Mm -hmm. stuff, and Mm -hmm. you're helping him, and he's helping you.
1: Well, and I want to add to that that I used to think that if you could part with something that was given to you, you were insensitive or not sentimental. And that's not true either. So... It's kind of like he has, he has a, he knows who's in power, in charge. Mm. And oh, I love that. <laughs> and I've been ruled by stuff for so long.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> well, we're gonna stop for today. Okay, Mary. I could talk to you for so uh, so long. I have so many questions I want to pursue, and maybe we'll keep our conversation going, but that's where we're stopping now. I'm just so grateful that you're willing to spill out everything um, so honestly about what's going on with you and what has been going on with you. So um, I'm really, really grateful. Thank you.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome.
0: that ends today's Chronicle. Mary is sharing these intimate details for two main reasons. One, so that others can learn that they are not alone with this battle. And two, so listeners who love someone in a similar situation can gain insights from her. As you may know or can imagine, this topic can be very touchy for many reasons. Thank you for listening wherever you fall on the clutter continuum. If you have questions or comments, we want to hear them. Share them with us on our Patreon site or on Twitter at ClutterCron. Thank you to Michael Koppelman for the music we use on our show and for his engineering magic. Listen again to hear how things unfold on the next Clutter Chronicles.